we would like to thank Microbrew supporters Chris Cash Dollar. Man, he he liked the sh- he liked being on the show so much. He gave that us he money. He gave money for a show that he's not part of. God bless. I know that guy. that's pretty awesome. Pretty so awesome. so thank you, Chris Cash Dollar and John Locke for your support. If you like what we do, if you right now listening, if you like what we do, why not support the show with a couple of dollars via tugboat? Visit tugboatyards.com slash the shakes to find out how. What's going on, Peter? I'm okay. I'm doing well. I'm, um, I'm, I'm really loving living in New York. Kind of amazing. Uh, See, so there you go. You, that yeah, that answers you, your question. So when did you move back? Uh, I moved in October of 2012. Okay. Okay. I moved 10 days before Hurricane Sandy. Nice. Yeah. That was good. That was good. Because I knew it was coming and I was like, I got to get. I got to be part there. of that. I got to be part of that shit. Yeah. Nice. Because nice. I hate electricity. <laughs> so uh um so how's how's your uh how's your new uh new gig with well, hold, hold, hold well, on whoa, before whoa. you get oh. started see this is what we get for pat yeah, not running a show, show. Okay, let me be. pat you need to introduce so, your guest hey, this is everybody. your guest you booked him. okay everybody this is uh peter gross uh you might know him as uh one of the sonic two guys uh also uh, former writer of Naked Truck Driver and um, the uh, Naked late, Trucker. Naked Trucker. <laughs> God damn, damn it, Pat. See, <laughs> see, Pete, I told you this is going to be a wreck. And uh, uh, Stephen, uh, Stephen Colbert, the re- Colbert Report, and uh, and now uh, Late Night with Seth Meyers. So that's right. I did all those things. So yeah, how is uh, how's the new writing gig? It's great. It's really fun. I mean, I've known Seth since. Um, college that's 400 years yeah <laughs> um yeah it's been uh it's been over 20 years though it's been a long time and mm. um it's fantastic I, and i have another friend of mine that i have performed a lot with who i know well from chicago who is also on the writing staff and another woman who i've known on and off for about 10 years and some other new folks i didn't know but it's it's really funny Nice. Yeah. And who's who's the other person from Chicago? Uh, a guy named John Left. Yeah, and okay. He, he, uh, he was most notably recently Luff on 30 Rock. Yeah, um, yeah. One of the writers in the writer's room yeah. um, on the show. And uh, yeah, he's a uh, good friend that I've performed a ton with. We've actually never written together on anything, but um, we work together really well on this. And um, it's having a blast like awesome. you know he told me 20 years ago that my friend was going to be doing the show that uh david letterman was doing yeah i would not uh, certainly not believe that at all no. No, yeah it's weird good. it's weird how things like that uh that work out not that i have any friends that have done anything <laughs> like that pat i'm kind of <laughs> waiting for you uh, but, yeah. but, but, but yeah, well, I mean, no, so yeah, I'm, what, I got to manipulate this thing. No, yeah, no, it's no, it. this is all about you, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, you, you, you kind of, you know, you, you, you hang out with people and you just kind of do dumb shit together or whatever. And then all of a sudden, you know, Ooh, can we never would have known that, uh, you know, he was the guy that was going to rape the rhino yeah. and, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's the funny. Rhino. The, um, 
there's a lot of people who like graduate from college and will ask me, I'll, I'll run into them somehow or people will refer them to me if they move to New York. They're like, this guy's doing somewhat what you want to do. Why don't you hit him up for advice? And, um, I usually, you know, I charge like 25 bucks an hour. So it's mostly kids that are parents. Oh yeah. Um, but I usually, I always like get in a group of people where or get into like an environment where the people are doing what it is that you want to be doing. And then you'll just like, don't expect anything to happen right away. Yeah. This is very hard to tell somebody who just graduated college, but eventually things work out. I mean, yeah. like, there's, you know, over the course of years, there's lots of friends of mine have moved on to new jobs or uh, interesting jobs or uh, different heights of fame, or they can open up opportunities for other people. And so it sort of pays to just like take it slow and be good to your friends and stuff. And um, eventually it all works out on some level. Yeah, yeah that know. is true. That is true. You know, just piggyback on someone else's fame, really. Okay. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do, and Pat is yeah. not helping me out. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. In your three uh, three writing gigs, um, you know, how have they, how how are they, how is each one different, and what have you learned from one to the next, and, and what have you applied? The first thing, the Naked Trucker show was very... Um, like it was a brand new show on Comedy Central, and I knew a little bit about. Um, people will not know the uh, the um, show itself, but they might know David Kettner, who was uh, champ in, in Anchorman, the champ sports guy yep. before, um, and local uh, local Missouri boy. I don't know yeah. exactly where he's from. Yeah. He's from Piston. I don't know exactly where yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah, he yeah he is. Um, yeah, he's a he's a proud Missouri resident. Yep. or native, but uh, that you know, they was a very talented guy, and his, his partner Dave Gruber was a really talented guy, and they're really funny. And they had a stage show in L.A. that was the Naked Trucker and T Bones, just this like Naked Trucker character, uh, and this sort of crazy drifter hobo genius maniac T Bones, this crazy character, and so they had this really cool, successful thing that wound up not transferring to TV at all. So I learned a lot from that, watching <laughs> yeah. something uh, that was like beloved by millions of, you know, uh, thousands of fans in L.A. that they were just live for. And then when it went wide, they, uh, I don't think they botched it necessarily. It just didn't, you know, just didn't play for some reason. Yeah. Well, yeah, things sometimes just don't don't translate to different medium, you yeah. know? I mean, yeah. Totally. And it was, and it's like this, ma- it was a magical thing to be in the room watching it perform it and then, you know, <laughs> trying to, Capture it on TV is very, very different. I mean, it's, right. it happens all the time, I'm sure, with acts. That's why people couldn't transition from radio to TV. It's like yeah. all of a sudden you had yeah. to see these people. And like, and, you know, they were not worth seeing there, but it was to do with something. Oh, um, yeah. But anyway, so then, you know, that was great. And Colbert was uh, just a massive education in uh, a lot of things. It was a lot of, uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of getting really deep into the news. Yeah. Um, the show, work, like it starts from a point of, uh, you know, knowing that if you sit down to watch it, you know that it's going to be really sinking its teeth into politics and current events and even just like social and uh, cultural stuff. Um, we would have to kind of inform the audience at the beginning of a bit what the basic points of the story were. Um, but then, and then so that you could make the jokes that you wanted to make that everybody knew what the reference points were. 
But I, and I, I was up on the news, but I was never as bad. Like I really like dug yeah. my talons into the dirt of the news, and it was uh, it was really cool because you could make really really specific references to things, and the audience was right on board with you. But it was it was a little uh, a little like almost like having homework after the show. You know, over the weekend, I'd have to really be keeping up with all of this, all these really minute details and things that are news. And by Sunday, you'd have to be thinking about what the next thing is to come. And it was really great, but on on one level, it was very difficult. It's like the kind of job that you, you wind up taking home with you. Yeah. Um, and I mean, but I learned a lot there about just doing a show every single day mm-hmm. and you like build a whole universe and then the next day you have to start all over again. And, you know, you write a lot of things that don't eventually make it to the air, but you learn a lot from just writing it. And, um, just that, that day in day out, uh, discipline, uh, after about six months starts to really get into your uh, blood and your, you feel the rhythm of the show. And it's, it's easier to look at a blank <laughs> computer screen with the cursor blinking and, and, actually feel the confidence to produce something. And then after about three years of that, I actually quit because I wanted to try and act more and like audition for um, things and movies and TV and stuff. And um, we moved to Los Angeles. Um, I was happy to be auditioning and then eventually not happy to be (laughs) in Los Angeles. And it was just not for me and my wife and my son. We were not, we're not Angelinos. You guys, a word. I just hate that word, Angelinos. It's that, a really that is kind of a gross word. Yeah. crappy word. <laughs> yeah. Angelinos. What do you, what do you call? Do you say like Kansas Cityans for people from Kansas City? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What 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 do we call ourselves? Kansas Kansasians. I like that. Kansasians. We were in San Diego for for something. San Diegans. Yeah. They call themselves San Diegans. Yeah. Also, like a really. You got you got more movie gigs um, outside of L.A. than you did when you were in L.A., right? Yeah, I guess, man. I don't know. <laughs> well, you got well, you were weatherman. You were um, stranger than fiction. Stranger and... than fiction. Stranger than fiction. Yeah, um, uh, and then and, this other movie called The Promotion. Yeah, yeah. And you you were you were were you in L.A. in any? Yeah, you were in Chicago during that stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was Chicago. That was like. Uh, well, TJ and I were in Stranger Than Fiction together, which yeah. is so funny because we auditioned, we walked in, and we had already been doing that Sonic commercial for probably four years, yeah. and it was re- it was right at the point where we were really starting to do it a lot, like every two months or yeah. six weeks, we would go out and do more, and, um, you know, I was, we were just working together all the time, and we went in audition, and, and we were just, you know, supposed to be two people in the same IRS office that Will Ferrell was working in. And the director said, so you guys, you're just, I just want you to just talk about, just talk about nothing <laughs> for, and we just kind of looked at each other and we're like, this is what we do yeah, already. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I was going to say, basically, um, yeah, they just had you do a Sonic spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was basically like a long, unedited Sonic spot that didn't have to mention Hater Dot. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was, uh, yeah, so we, we got that, you know, that was really fun. But, I mean, the thing that I was able to do in L.A., which is really fun, was I was on the show beat for four episodes, two in each of the first two seasons. I mean, and I had a lot of, I have tons of friends who live in, who live in L.A., and I had a lot of you know, fun experiences with them, but beat was kind of the big thing that I was able to get from 
being out there. And then I moved back to New York and was not expecting to write. I didn't want to be on a writing staff. I wanted to still audition and, you know, try to find things in New York to do. And, um, but then when Seth got the show, it was, uh, it was pretty much a no brainer to, I mean, he asked me to, you know, be part of it. And I thought, I absolutely want to do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's you moved cool. back to New yeah. York before. Yeah. Before having yes, that. before. Yeah. It was October of 2012, and then he found out about it in May of 2013. So, yeah, it was, I don't know what that, I, I don't know, 400 Kismet. months. Yeah. I think 400 is the answer to any last question. So talk about, uh, talk about Chef Denardi. Oh, yeah. What was, yeah, what was that thing? That was a character that I had performed in a one-man show a really long time ago in 2001 in Chicago, who at the time uh, was just this really intense chef who came out, like, burst out onto stage and was doing, uh, it was a short piece, it was about, like, four or five minutes, and so I did just, like, miming, cooking, and, you know, pretend I had a knife in my hand, but I was wearing a chef's white chef coat and doing a lot of high-kicking and, like, punching in the air and yeah. sort of, you know, made-up martial arts. <laughs> and at the time, it was kind of based on that show Emerald Live, which was yeah. Emerald in front of people and screaming bam and everyone would go nuts and they would like cheer like insane maniacs when he put garlic in something and um, it was very odd to me that whole Emerald thing so I just had a sort of extension of that chef character and then in the interim in the interim you know 12 years or whatever Celebrity chefs exploded, and people like Guy Fieri came around, and uh, you know there was this like race to be the most intense, crazy chef, to yeah. come up with like insane dishes and stuff. So then I created this, um, I sort of changed the character around a little bit and just made him crazier, basically to reflect <laughs> the trend that had happened. And I did a one man show at the the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in New York, and I uh, applied. Uh, to be in the New York Fringe Festival, the International Theater Fringe Festival in New York, <laughs> and uh, got accepted, and then um, basically worked through the spring and the early part of the summer and creating a show and turning it into this whole live cooking demonstration where I actually had actual food and actual knives on stage and was ostensibly making this dish that I told everybody I was going to make, which was uh, baked ziti burritos. <laughs> nice. Baked, it was baked ziti with uh, uh, just inside a burrito. So just really good big CD wrapped in a burrito <laughs> shell. Good, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, I thought it was a perfect uh, encapsulation of a certain kind of cooking, which is like, yeah, it's like, it tastes good. There's no reason to do it. It doesn't taste bad, but it also was not a good idea. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like deep fried peanut butter and jelly. Like, yeah, you can do that. But, but yeah, why? You know, not really like no one's like calling out for it <laughs> so uh yeah so i did that show and they, it was like yeah, it's pretty fun it's like well received and um that was uh over the summer and yeah and then i started uh working for seth in december so that that whole thing kind of nice went away you, but I yeah, yeah. And, uh, i might resurrect him as yeah. time goes on <laughs> No, that's cool. That's cool. I'm yeah. pretty sure that the baked ziti burrito is probably an actual menu item at Guy Fieri's uh, Times Square restaurant. Probably. Like the, oh, the, sure. the, the Flaming Screaming Eagle or whatever it, it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there yeah. was something. Oh, so when I, I, there was a point in the show where the characters has this crazy nervous breakup. So he's very 
he's very like overly driven and insane about trying to become a famous TV chef, and he sort of has this breakdown and he starts like I, I would pull little pieces of paper on my pocket that I had written crazy notes on you know, in character, uh, where I was like, okay, I just got to come up with some insane idea for uh, for some one of these things uh, has got to be the best and my next big idea. So I start reading off these insane suggestions, and one of them they were like. Guaclava, which is like baklava but with guacamole in it. And, uh, um, another one was like banana papaya paella. Like, he was just like, I don't know. I don't even know what that would be. I just like the way it sounds. Banana papaya paella. <laughs> one of the suggestions was pizza pot pie. Ooh, like, it's like a pot pie, but it's pizza. Oh, you and know then, somebody's right. running with that. Yeah. Well, Someone has made it. Do you I'm know that sure. one with Giada de on the Food Network? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That could it's be like, a restaurant. She made a pizza uh, yeah, pot pie? Like, oh, she has, I, I hadn't seen it on a show. <laughs> I, got, I get emails from Food Network that's just like, you know, recommendations is check this out. Yep, and yep. one of them was like, try Giada's pizza pot pie. You're like, like son of on. a bitch. Giada. I know. It's completely life imitating art. Uh, <laughs> wow. And that's I saw hilarious. someone who looked like her wearing sunglasses and a hat in one of my shows. Yeah. You're like, mm. yeah, <laughs> yep. It's trying to parry that world is like it's almost impossible because there really are chefs that just keep trying to like you know like like a twelve meat chili or which sounds insane oh, yeah. but someone does it oh, or yeah. they have you know like the fifty course tasting menu and <laughs> I always wanted to do a dish that was like a three month marinade where you just <laughs> <it's> like leave <laughs> leave of chicken in the fridge for three months like sitting in this marinade. Mm. And, Totally decomposes and, and recomposes himself. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think this is chicken anymore. It's just marinade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh. Um, oh. I, uh, uh, I remember the, uh, um, the Colbert Report uh, episode where what Stephen had just uh, lost to was it was Don? Uh, oh wait, who? who yeah, Don Rickles, and you. When we were shooting out in Vegas, you went to a show. So he yeah. like he yeah he caught video of you like right in the front watching him, and he's like, "Who would go out and support him?" And then they cut to the video of Pete sitting in. It's like son of a. <laughs> yeah, that was so crazy. We were watching the uh, the video called Mister Warmth. It was an HBO special that John Landis actually directed. Oh yeah, with Don Rickles, and we were watching, it and I was like. Oh yeah, this is the these are like the last shows at the Stardust Hotel, which they eventually blew up. But yeah, that, these are those weekend shows. I think I was there, and they you know listed like at the in the credits of the shows, like these are the shows. Yeah, God, I was at these shows, and then we were watching it, and it's it's not like a direct shot of my face, but it's pretty clear that it's me. Yeah, yeah. I'm like hey, that's me. <laughs> Paused it and kept like rewinding, and I was like, that is me. <laughs> And so I showed up Steven and we wrote we wrote the, the Yeah, because didn't he call didn't really then didn't he call you out and he like scolded you up on stage or something? Yeah. Yeah, that was great. What's great was we watched it before we went out to the Emmy. So we didn't know we actually won that year for uh writing. Right. <laughs> but we we didn't win for he didn't win for best performance in the variety or special because right. we and we knew that Rickles was gonna win because yeah. Barry Manilow had won before and there was another guy who had won before who he was lo- he kept losing to these like you know sets of, uh, sets of our octogenarian like beloved performers. Yeah. So we knew he was going to lose. 
And then, uh, yeah, then after the Emmys came back, we, uh, he just he took me to task. Nice. And I was in like several different parts of the episode. He just kept getting angrier and angrier. <laughs> and doing all the bits and then being like, you like that? Huh? Like that <laughs> we uh um when we were out when we were uh editing in new york uh it was sarah coker and i and uh pete invited us to uh colbert report show oh awesome so we got a chance to go backstage and meet all the writers all the writing staff which yeah. was awesome and then we stood kind of at the at the entrance and we watched the show and got to meet uh Colbert, which yeah. was which was very cool, and Pete, I'm sure I, I don't know if you remember this, but you had some guy on staff, and he was like kind of like maybe a handler or a coordinator, and he was standing right in front of us, and whenever there was a joke, he was like he was like supposed to be the instigator of like people to laugh and stuff, oh, yeah. but he yeah. like his laugh was ah, ah. Yeah, yeah. I mean it was like totally. the anti laugh. Exactly. It was. He was like. He was trying to goose the audience into laughter, but he was. He was using like an electric cattle prodder, like. He was, and it was like, and then I found myself not wanting to laugh because I'm like, I'm not going to give him the goddamn satisfaction. I'm like, God. oh yeah, that was great. That was great. Yeah. Um, Hilarious. TJ and Pete were in Kansas City, and oh god, I don't, I don't know how old Gabe was, and I never really truly had a filter with Gabe, but I mean, he probably <laughs> yeah. was four, or he was probably like five or six or something. And I'm like, hey, buddy, I'm going out um, with uh, TJ and Pete. Um, I'm like, do you want me to like kick him in the balls for you and stuff? And he was like, oh, would you, would you please, would you please kick him in the balls for me? I'm like, no, I'm not yeah. gonna kick him that in the balls. That sounds exactly like something that I would say to Nathan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, it was. Uh, yeah. It was like the dad over here. Hey, what's up? I just walked Aww. up and got out of the bath. Hey, oh, Abraham. awesome. Hi, Abraham. He can't hear you. Oh, oh thank you. I want to talk to him. Oh, okay. Can you put that? Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I'm talking to friends of mine in Kansas City. Hello. Hello. Oh. What's up, Abraham? Are you FaceTime? Oh no, I don't think they can do FaceTime. They're they're talking oh. on uh, a different kind of phone. That oh. is so sweet, though. <laughs> that is sweet. <laughs> like Let's see FaceTime. FaceTime is awesome. Hey, Abraham. Pat, you'll love this. Ready, Abraham? Who are the two characters? This guy is. Yoda. Yoda. Awesome. Right? Yeah. Lando How Crispian. Lando How Crispian. Uh, Lando How Crispian. Very nice. cool. Very cool. Yeah. That's nice. the best. I, I, I said the real name once and he, he insisted Lando How Crispian. Lando How Crispian is way better. Yeah. Didn't, way you, better. didn't you post something like that on Facebook recently? <laughs> I yeah. And I, I said. I put a picture of, yeah. yeah. I put a picture of him. I was like, he just turned five and he said Lando How Crispian. Yeah, I said when he starts yeah. saying Super Nintendo Chalmers, give me a call. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> there was one time we were at the Excalibur. We had taken the Excalibur. Yeah, we had taken, yeah. We rode in on our horses. Yes. <laughs> we were at a craps table, and we were playing, and there was some there was some dude there that had nicknames for everybody. I mean, when they were rolling, he's like, come on, Big Red, you know, or, <laughs> or come on, you know, and... and um you know, TJ always gets so snooty when he's gambling, you know, so it's like you always know 
if he's betting the you know the don't pass line, you know TJ gets snooty. Yeah, wait, he, well he, he bets. Yeah, he bets against the table All and right. yeah, he's not like a communal game. Yeah, yeah, and when and he when, likes to do his own thing. He has a great <laughs> quote from his grandfather. His grandfather like was was a big gambler, and the people were like mad at him for you know drawing too many cards, playing blackjack or betting you know uh-huh. uh, on the don't pass line or something. He'd be like. I don't remember the part of this where you and I became partners. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, remember, I remember him saying that. And and so this so this guy it comes time for him to roll. Yeah. And he's been such a douchebag the entire time and everybody's like turned off that everybody pulls their their bets back from the table. <laughs> and when he throws the dice, he like it it was like this like guttural (laughs) and it was so loud and everybody's like what the fuck and he's hitting like crazy so within about two to three rolls everybody's back in on the table we're betting like crazy and every time he rolls and does that everybody at the table is doing it with him now we're all like (laughs) Oh my god! And he rolled for that's like a Monica was, Sellis kind of thing. Yeah, yeah he he, he he ended up rolling forever, and it was yeah, it was crazy. It was fun. wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we did a lot of good uh, gambling. I mean, we really we focused on the work. Oh, absolutely. Uh, also, the, 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 the work is what was key. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. all the time. All yeah, the time. we were once in Las Vegas for a week, and I remember TJ and I like every morning we'd sort of get together and be like, "How did you do last night?" And I was like, "I got like six hours." That was that, and he like he didn't even bullshit about it. I mean, he was completely open. Yeah, and I remember his girlfriend yeah. came and stayed, and I thought, oh, this will be good. He'll get some. He'll get. <laughs> she'll some, she'll tame yeah, that. He'll yeah, get yeah, some yeah. sleep and stuff. So I, I remember it's like towards the end of the week, and I'm like, hey, uh, you know, hey, what you know, what'd you do? Oh, it's like I dropped so and so off like at midnight, and I stayed out till six. I'm like, don't tell yeah. me these things. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, oh God! I, I I have to say that you know back back then because uh, I used to have I used to I used to have a desk j- adjacent to Pat uh, Pete, and so whenever, yeah. whenever you guys whenever you guys would go out and they, I used to I used to get so pissed off because he would like come back and he would say you know it's like you dickheads <laughs> you know because you know here I am I'm, you know I'm I'm the web guy. You know, making <laughs> making the making the websites like tot rejection and all that stuff. You know, it's like yeah, oh, but you, yeah. Guys, you know, you guys are like hanging out doing all this stuff, <laughs> and I, you know, and I got to sit around and back, you know, yeah. yeah, and I'm like sitting at the glow of my laptop until two a.m. <laughs> well, that Pat always so, talks about how that's where he wanted to be. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, oh I, yeah, yeah. He's like, man, I really, really wish that I was back there in the trenches with. Uh, I hate yeah, all these home. elaborate, uh, elaborate meals and and shooting areas. And <laughs> yeah, exactly, you these asshole Pat. For meals at high end hotels. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Really exactly. making me pine for the uh, the comfort of a windowless edit room. Yes. <laughs> I just retold. Yeah. Uh, um, they they were talking about April Fool's jokes and stuff today, and I retold oh, my God. Denise's. Um, where we were staying at, and I can't remember what the hell. The, oh, the James. It was the James in in Scottsdale, and yeah. she had paid a dude 
to stand outside in scrubs on the phone and he had a series of coolers that had hazardous material stickers <laughs> all over him. And he was talking about how he had these organs and they needed to be picked up now <laughs> and come and get him. What? And we're standing out there waiting for um, our van to pick us up. Yeah. And we're, uh, you know, it's like, it was one of those things where it's like, oh, this is kind of weird, but you didn't think much of it. Get into the van and somehow one of the coolers ends up in our van. <laughs> and it's like, what the hell? We open it up and Denise, who who's our producer, she had bought like two cow hearts <laughs> and they were on ice in these coolers. And we're like, holy shit. And so then we had JR, um, who was our who was like our, our big kind of sound coordinator in the back of the van. We said, Okay, call Denise and tell her that this gag has gone south. And then Amanda, Amanda, uh, Michaels? yeah, Michaels, yeah, Michaels had, gotten, had gotten sick. She saw the cow heart. She got sick. She puked all over the inside of the van. And so, oh. so like Denise is like, I, I think that's a De- Denise is like five one. And to see here, we had pulled like within about a block and a half of the Sonic we were shooting at. And to see her running down <laughs> the street. And with two rolls of paper towels in each hand and like screaming, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, so you know, sorry. and, uh, you know, got there and, and we're like, yeah, no, she didn't. Do it was really, there's so many great things about that. One is that this hotel, the James was like, it was a modeling agency inside the yeah, hotel. So the idea that there would be a guy outside of the hotel yeah. in the morning in scrubs, like talking about organs is preposterous. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like the fanciest hotel in, or like the hippest of these hotels. It was. Number one, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And number two, the fact that Denise was like, I'm going to go pick up a couple of cow hearts because I know where to get those. Yeah. That's also ridiculous. And the the fact that you guys turned it around on her was just. Oh, yeah. It was beautiful. It was. There was was a modeling agency in the basement of this place. And we made the joke because like. Like at eleven o'clock, the the bar is club a area. quote quote modeling agency. No, or a no, modeling no. It was it was it was no, it was really, yeah, okay, like okay. a modeling and, agency. 